0: Hare Krishna, everybody, welcome.
1: This is Krishna. Krishna. Dasar. This is Krishna Dasar. Today is the second last session. Today we are going to cover uh, lokas 77 to 80. Before that, I will say the prayer to Guru and God. Om oh, Ajna Timirandasya Gyananjana Chalakaya Chakshuram Milipta Meena Shri gobe. Om Namo Babu Tevasa
0: Thank you, Hare Krishna. Okay, so I think we can uh, start. We'll start with uh, Loka 77.
1: I think
0: we have to start with 76. That's what I had to. We finished 75. 75 is done. Is that right? Okay, give me one second. Let me confirm. Give me a second. Just confirm. I'll make sure that we are starting the right sloka. Yes, Guru. You are right. We start from 76. So I just want to make sure there is no duplication. So good. We will start from 76 then. Bhakti Shastrani Bhakti Shastrani Bhakti Shastrani Mananyani Manan- Manan- yani. Manan- yani. Manan- yani. Tad ud Bodhaka karmani Karan,
1: very good the translation says the scriptures on devotion should be contemplated upon and the teachings should be practiced diligently you may remember this teaching. So, Naraji is instructing us that don't just read the scriptures. Just reading is not important. You have to read it carefully, you have to reflect on the teachings, and more importantly, you have to practice the teachings with conviction. Here is where we want to repeat what we taught in Bhagavad Gita. We spoke about the importance of Shravan Manan and nididyaasan. I think those terms will keep repeating and they are extremely important. I mean, that is what really makes the difference between whether we get spiritual evolution or whether we just get some theoretical knowledge. So, Shravana basically is listening or hearing. We are all doing that every week during the sessions. Manana is the next step. That means contemplation or reflection, where you, you have to think about what we learned. It has to be a continuous process. You have to analyze it. And you have to internalize it. You have to tell yourself there should be a conviction. Now that's very, very important. So the manana is required before you can practice. How will you practice something that you have not internalized? It's very difficult. So that is why these are the three steps. is start with shravan, then
0: manan, and the last one is Nididyaasan, profound contemplation, you know, and practice. So whenever
1: you see life situations, you can say that you are progressing in knowledge. I'll tell you what is the mark of that. When can you? When can you tell yourself? You don't. You don't need to tell me. I don't need to judge. I don't need to certify you. This you can certify yourself. Whenever you come across life situations, which are not too pleasant or which are very pleasant in both scenarios, are you able to relate with some of the teachings and are you able to tell yourself in this scenario, I'm supposed to try and practice this example. I'm trying and trying to practice this teaching. If that is happening, congratulations. So Naraj is saying that is important. You have to reach that stage. So for Bhakti, Try and remember everything we have learned in the Bhakti Sutra so far. And see. for example, you know, it's, uh, uh, forgive me, if I come across as I'm taunting, I'm definitely not taunting. That's not the intention. But for example, in the Bhakti Sutra, we learned, Naraji said, don't waste even a moment. And Naraji also repeatedly said that devotion has to be a matter of conviction and consistency, not a matter of convenience. If you say that, okay, today I have nothing else to do. So I'll sit and do devotion. I mean, okay, it's, uh, it's, it's better than doing something bad, but that is not definitely going to take us to evolution. So we have learned that, but then we have to practice it. Now we cannot say that, okay, today I have a party
0: to go to. So can you, you know, uh,
1: whatever. So uh, you, you got the message okay, that is, what it. Is. and don't worry. God will keep giving you opportunities. There will be ample opportunities where you will have to make a choice. And then you'll have to tell yourself what choice you are making. And is it aligned with your spiritual evolution? Shreya and Pray, I'm telling you, this is so profound that I, I kind of had the realization many times in my life these days, that most of the times the choice is between Shreya and Preya, and every time we choose Shreya, we are on the path to evolution. Every time we are choosing Preya, we are stagnating or we are going down. So it is not a choice between good and bad necessarily. It is a choice between pleasant and good. That is why it is such a difficult choice. But Preya means it is also it is very pleasant, but it may not be what is good in the long term. Whereas Shreya is good, which may not sound pleasant now, but it is what is good. So. These are the few tips, humble tips from my side. If you can internalize all of this, I think
0: all the teachings will become useful.
1: So we are not just talking about theories and techniques. We are talking about, in devotion, it is beyond techniques. In devotion, once you have practiced all of this, you are supposed to develop the deep connect with the divine. And that is where devotion and Vedanta, they come together as one. And see, we can uh, read many different texts. That's okay. And uh, for example, srimad Bhagavatam. It uh, it it takes us into the enchanting world of Krishna and Vrindavan. It's a very beautiful text. It's a it's a text that almost every devotee enjoys reading. And that is where we witness the extraordinary love of gopis and their unwavering dedication. So Naraji will say. That the more we reflect upon such stories, the more our love for God expands. So part of Travan Manan should also be to prefer reading those kind of texts, those kind of stories as much as possible. Now you may wonder how do i how do I cultivate this kind of profound love for God? And it's all about choosing actions that help us grow in love and strengthen our connection. So, in other words, Whether it's reading spiritual books, whether it is contemplating the divine qualities of God, whether it is practicing some kindness, whether it is engaging in personal devotional practices. All of this, they are going to play a role in bringing us closer to the divine. See, there is no tablet like like many saints will tell you the same thing. There is no one magic mantra that somebody will blow in your ears and suddenly you become enlightened or suddenly you get divine love for God. It doesn't work like that. So there is no magic pill. There is no magic mantra. There is, there is no shortcut quick way. The only way is we have to approach these teachings with sincerity and consistency. That's the only way, but I think that is also a very guaranteed way. And it is a law. If you do it, you will succeed. And as Krishna has said, Naraji has said, there are no other prerequisites. Doesn't matter who you are, where you are born, your gender, nothing matters. You can start anytime and you can still succeed. That's a very assuring truth. So my request, humble request is, so let us embrace this path of devotion with an open heart. The heart opening is very important. And let us choose the activities that are aligned with our divine love for God. That choice will be present every day. Every day you're gonna face that choice. On um, do you like you have like half an hour, suddenly there is something happened and you get half an hour of free time. Now, do you use that half an hour to gossip about somebody, or do you use that half an hour to talk about some spiritual aspects or devotional aspects? The choice is ours. So those choices will keep coming. The more you grow on this path, the more those choices will come. And that is an indication that you are supposed to consciously choose Shreya. And that is how we grow on the path. So let us go to the next Lokash, Lokas 77. Sukha Dukkecha.
0: Sukha Dukkecha.
1: Labadi Tyakte. Labadi,
0: Labadi. Labadi Tyakte.
1: Kale pratiksha money.
0: Kale pratiksha man.
1: Chanardam api.
0: Chanardam api. Virtam naeem. Yetam naeem. The Sanskrit is a very divine language. It's a
1: and I personally believe I am, I have a strong conviction that even these words have an energy in themselves. So, sure. yeah. I
0: second it. yeah,
1: so the translation is waiting for an opportune moment, free from the disturbance of pleasure, pain, desire, gain, and so on is pointless. Not even a fraction of a second should be wasted. This is what I was trying to say. This is Naraji's teachings. It's uh, futile to say that I will do devotion on a Sunday. Oh no, Sunday I want to sleep. So no, no, not Sunday. I will do devotion maybe on a Friday noon. You know, uh, Friday, no, 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 no. Friday noon, no poo. You know, I, I i like to have lunch. So Friday afternoon, I have friends. Uh, it's social time. You know, Saturday morning, I have something else. Uh, when is the time when I have nothing else? I'll choose that. No, that is very futile. Or some people will say, you know, I will do bhakti when my business is doing well. I will do bhakti when my kids are settled. I will do bhakti when I am retired. Naraji says that is all futile. Not even a fraction of a second should be wasted. If the thought comes to you, that means you are ready to practice. If the thought comes to you, that you need to do devotion. That moment is the right moment. When a thought comes and if you are saying, yeah, the thought has come, but I will do it later, that means you are missing the point. That is Naraji's whole message. There is no right time. This is one of the
0: biggest blunders that most of us
1: commit. We think there has to be a right time to do devotion and bhakti, whereas it's the other way around. Whenever you do devotion and bhakti, that time becomes right. So this is a recurring theme. I've tried talking about this to many people. And uh, then I realized I'm not saint enough to convey this point clearly. So I'm just going to say this is what Naraji is saying. Contemplate upon it. Shravan, manan, okay. It's uh, There is also a saying in Hindi. Mein deri nahi. So when when you're doing a good thing, don't wait, don't look for muhurat. don't look for some good time there. That is, whenever you get the opportunity, that is the best time. It's a very, very profound teaching, very important teaching.
0: And I just wanted to share Prabhuji that it's so simple, there is no tools, no materials needed. It's just the thought that needs to come at that point of time. And you can just get yourself in any corner. Even if you're in the midst of people, nobody would know that you're chanting Nam. So, it's it's so simple. It's just the matter of that thought and that conscious effort and willingness that it takes. So, yeah, right. it is it is very simple.
1: Very true, very true. And as we said, Shravan, Manan, nididhyasan all go hand in hand. So, chanting is definitely one of the easiest things we can do. But there are many other things also which naraji has asked us to do so we need to try and practice as many of them as possible so if you cannot do anything else then yes definitely chanting has to be chanting you don't even need to find any time or place it just goes on in your mind you know so uh, we just need to have that intense longing to know bhagwan and get his divine grace that longing has to be intense you know the story of ramakrishna it is out of syllabus. I don't have it in my notes, but somehow that thought came to me. So I want to share with you. So, Ramakrishna Paramahamsa, he was a great devotee of the Devi. So he was sitting and praying for days. He had that intense longing. He didn't understand why Devi was not giving him a darshan, why Devi was not gracing him. He He, he was not able to understand. His longing was so intense. He was going mad. So at one point, he started, you know, beating his face on the floor because he's just not understanding what's going on. His longing is so intense, he can't control it. And when all this was happening, somehow his
0: sight goes and, I mean, his sight
1: falls on a sword that he sees Devi is holding in her hands. Like a madman, he just goes, takes the sword and he's about to cut himself. It's like, I'm, I don't need this life. What use is this life if, you know, if I cannot utilize this body to get that darshan of Devi, then this life is useless. And that level of longing, and at that instance, Devi gives him darshan. And that darshan is not like a, just a photo or not like that. That darshan is where he gets a glimpse of universal consciousness. Suddenly, he, he, is, he is in everything. Everything is in him. There is no difference. There is no differentiation. I mean, it's, it cannot be explained. It can only be realized. The point we are trying to make here is, we are not saying you should all try to cut yourself and only then you will get grace of God. The point we are trying to make is that longing has to be intense. It cannot be, see, I, I don't get me wrong. I'm also a student. This, whatever I'm telling you applies to me also. And I tell this to myself many times. So we all really need to get out of this convenience-based devotion. It is, it is okay if we start that way, but if that is something we are not able to change, then it's, it's an indication that we are going to take longer to progress. It cannot be convenience-based. It cannot be when I am free, when I am not having anything. We have to show the universe. We have to show Bhagwan that he is a priority. He is the priority. When that happens, things will start working out. Because as long as Bhagwan is not the priority, you don't expect you to become Bhagawan's priority. You are like, let Bhagawan help me, then I will do devotion. No, that is putting the cart in front of the horse. Because Sri Krishna clearly said, Ananyas maam ye jana paripasite tesham nityabhi yuktanam then yogakshemam vahamiyam yoga kshemam is the last part no it is like saying let me see the net then i will leap no there is the reason why they call it leap of faith because the leap comes first the net will come later so you cannot fight it you cannot use your intellect and think you are very smart just like that this convenience based devotion has to really stop you have to evolve and cross it and get into a conviction based devotion otherwise it is for fun. You can go spend all your life reading a hundred different s- scriptures, Bhagavad Gita, Shrimad Bhagavatam, Chaitanya Charitamrita. Go by heart everything, read everything, listen to Shloka. do whatever you want. But until we make this paradigm shift, the grace is waiting for us. It will still be waiting. You know that is my humble, humble request. Is because we are almost at the end of the bhakti sutra sessions. That's why I'm a little forceful. Uh, is This is my advice to you, is whatever we have learned is going to help us 5%. How we practice is going to help us maybe another 10-15%. The intent, longing and prioritization is what is the remaining 80%. The longing has to be intense enough and the prioritization has to be there. That is when you are being true to your goal. Otherwise, it is mithyacharis. We are all mithyacharis. Saying something, learning something, reading something. But when the time comes, our priorities show. (laughs) You know, we have our own priorities. So, that alignment really, really has to happen. Okay.
0: Sri Krishna has also said in the Bhagavad Gita. Let us see what he has said. Yogastha kuru karmani sangam
1: chaktva Dananjaya. Siddhya siddhyoha. Samo Bhutva Samatvam Yoga Ucchate. Be steadfast in yoga, Varjuna, Perform your duty and abandon all attachment to success or failure. Such even-mindedness is called yoga. So, here Shri Krishna has said, devote all your actions to the divine. That is yoga. When Krishna says yoga, that's what he means. Devote all your actions to yoga, to, to the divine, without attachment to success or failure. This principle is similar to Naraji's ideal of don't waste a moment, utilize it in God. So Naraji is saying don't waste a moment, and Krishna is saying, Whatever you do, let it be aligned with the divine. Whatever you do, let it be towards the divine. See, it's the same message said in different ways. Now, some saints, in fact, some saints have also said, you know, uh, like, I mean, they mean it well, don't take it negatively, but some saints have said that. Like a birthday, it is not a moment of celebration. Why? Because it is actually a reminder that one more year has passed by. Now we have one year less to reach our goal. How can it be a moment of celebration? It should be a moment of deep introspection and we have to accelerate whatever we are doing. And it is very ironic that on our birthday we waste more time and we spend more time away from God. Busy in different things. So, this is something we have to start thinking differently, doing differently. Maybe in the next birthday, you should say, okay, today is my birthday, so I'm going to spend one extra hour chanting, or one extra hour meditating, or one extra hour discussing about Bhagwan in my satsanga. Maybe that is something you can try. The Katha Upanishad, it is said, Uttishta Jagrata Prapya It means arise awake and learn by approaching the exalted ones for that path is sharp as a razor's edge, impassable, and hard to go by, say the wise.
0: So the path is not easy. The path is difficult.
1: We have to prepare and we have to practice the teachings of Buddha. They also emphasize the importance of mindful living and spiritual development. This is what is written in the Dhammapada where Buddha says life is fleeting. Nobody can resist
0: death. When a man has gone to his eternal rest,
1: neither sons nor wealth can follow him. In other words, whatever we are considering as priority today, they are not going to be following us. They are not going to be with us. For them, we are not a priority. Whatever we are prioritizing today, none of them will make you the priority it's nature law of nature, because when you die, they cannot come with you. You cannot be their priority. What goes with you is just your spiritual development, so that has to be the priority. So that is the irony. The only thing that is going to really stick with you is the one thing we give the least priority to, and we call ourselves very smart, intelligent humans. Yeah. Super smart. We are so smart that we can fool ourselves. There is no other creature on the planet that can fool itself. You know that only humans are capable of fooling themselves because they are so intelligent.
0: In Western philosophy also, a similar reflection is there
1: where the Roman philosopher Seneca, he wrote, I mean, he wrote, uh, it's, it's, uh, his work is called On the Shortness of Life. So he's written that it's not that we have a short time to live but that we waste a lot of it. Life is long enough and a sufficiently generous amount has been given to us for highest achievements. If only we invest that time correctly. No, it is just like I grew up in a city called Pimpri in,
0: uh,
1: it's a suburb of Pune. Simranji knows that very well. And I have many Sindhi friends. Many business friends who are successful businessmen. It's a very important thing I learned, and I really appreciate and admire them for this. Even at a young age, even when we were in the school, if I get a 50 rupees extra as a gift from somebody, my first thought would be: No, I will buy a ball, I will buy a bat, I will buy something, I'll blow it. Whereas many of these friends of mine will be thinking, Now, how can I make this 50 hundred? I'm not joking. I mean, it comes naturally to them. And these people, eventually they do well in business. So an average person will say, I didn't do well in business because I didn't have resources. That's not the truth. That's not the absolute truth. The, the truth is, every you didn't know how to utilize the resources you had. Just like that, nobody has a short life. Everybody's life is long enough for the purpose they are born for. For whatever they have come based on their karma, everybody has enough life. But the fact is, we don't utilize it necessarily in the right priorities. So let's go to sloka seventy-eight. Ahimsa, satya, saucha. Ahimsa, satya, saucha.
0: Daya, astikya, adi. Daya, Astitya,
1: actually it's a long word so (laughs) it is uh, a very long word so I've tried to break it but I'm not uh, a scholar in Sanskrit so my breaking is not perfect but I think we still got it The translation is, virtues such as abstinence from all injury, truthfulness, purity of body and mind, compassion, faith in God, uh, faith in Vedas, and other excellences of character should be strictly observed. They are not optional. They all are necessary. You have to strictly, strictly observe it. You have to pay attention to what the sages are saying. There are no contradictions, but they are all like small, small pieces of the puzzle. And using our intellect, we have to put those pieces together. That is where the intellect should be used. But once the pieces are together, just follow what the advice is. So for example, somebody will say that you don't need any qualification. And then one person will say you need these attributes. Then we, we say, oh, but they are contradicting. One person says you don't need a qualification. One, per- No, that is not contradiction. One person says you don't need material qualifications. That is the context. When somebody says you don't need a qualification means you don't have to be like a Brahmin, you don't have to be rich, you don't have to be a scholar. They are all material qualifications that you don't need and they are right. But you do need other qualifications. What other qualifications? Some of you, just raise your hand if you remember
0: the 20 virtues that Krishna, does anybody remember even one of the virtues that Krishna said we should have? Okay, I have one hand, two hands, three hands. Good enough. <laughs> okay, so, ji, which virtue you remember? Humility. Excellent. Chitraji, which one do you remember? Detachment.
1: Okay, that is a safe one. ji, which one do you remember?
0: No. no ego, no pride and forgiveness.
1: Excellent. Honesty. Excellent. Very happy people have memories. So there are 20 virtues. I will quickly go through them. But before that, let us reflect upon what Naraji is saying. Naraji says that right actions are based on right thoughts. Very natural, very true, very practical. You cannot have wrong thoughts and expect right actions. Not going to happen. So, your thoughts come
0: first and your thoughts will determine what actions are following. So our, And our character is shaped by
1: that thinking. Okay. So, if we act badly, we are creating harmful patterns in our mind that can lead to a lack of focus. See, this is all very technical, very, very profound. Krishna has said earlier, a scattered mind cannot concentrate on devotion. It's not possible. You cannot have a scattered mind. Like it cannot focus. Your mind is not able to focus. Today you are sitting here. I can still say that even if your video is off, I can still sense that some of you are distracted. You are still having some thought. You know, what am I going to do in the noon? What's going to happen in office? What's going to happen here? You know, those things, but that is not going to help with, you have to have a focused mind. And the focused mind doesn't, uh, you know, you have to focus your mind. And the way to focus your mind is practice good thoughts. We can use the technique of replacement that we learned in Bhagavad Gita, but this has to be a practice. These are all things that have to consciously be done. So the truth is very simple. If your actions are bad, if your thoughts are bad, forget spiritual development. It's not going to happen, not happening. So. What are those good thoughts? We need to first cultivate virtues like non-violence, compassion, faith, righteousness, some of the virtues you just said. Non-violence is not just about not hurting others physically. Non-violence is also about getting rid of negative tendencies in us. Are we able to think lovingly about everybody? Very important. Are we jealous? Even if you are jealous, that is a form of non-violence. That is a form of Hinsa because you don't want the other person to succeed. So that is also against the rule of Ainsa. Ainsa doesn't just mean you are not hitting somebody. Ainsa also has so many things involved. So in general, you have to have purity of thought. So in fact, instead of non-violence, you should say non-injury. That is probably a more broader and more accurate concept. The another thing is we can't appreciate our own beauty Until we get into such a mindset, it's a very important thing. Like people say, love yourself, but what does it mean? Love thyself. How do you love yourself? Do you just look in the mirror and start applying makeup? Is that loving yourself? Do you just go to a restaurant and engage in gluttony? Like today I will eat 10 meals. Is that love? Do you just go buy expensive clothes and you think, is that how you love yourself? When I mean, these are all so superficial, external, you know. The true love is, are you at peace with yourself? Are you feeling blissful? This is what we discussed at the beginning of the Bhakti Sutra. You are not looking blissful, all of you, for your information. You are not looking ten times more blissful than what you were on day one. So either I am doing a bad job or you are not doing your practice and contemplation. So that is important, and when you are blissful, that is when you know that you have self-love. Okay. So Krishna had these twenty virtues. It started with amanitvam. I mean, you can read it. You have all the twenty virtues I've, I've shared with you: amanitvam, adamvitvam, ahimsa, shantir. Like in English, I can say tolerance, simplicity, cleanliness, self-control. There are many of them. So there are twenty. I'll share the notes again, but you already have it with you. Please go through it one more time.
0: Let's go to Sloka 79. Sarvada Sarvabhavena. Sarvada Sarvabhavena. Sarvabhavena. Nishchintitai. Nishchintitai. Bhagavaneva. Bhagavaneva.
1: The translation is at all times with all our heart's feelings and free from the worries, the Supreme Lord has to be worshipped. So imagine this. You have been working hard on being a spiritual person, right? How many of us have been working hard to be a spiritual person? Wow. Even that's not coming automatically. Serious work is needed.
0: Okay. So, like we
1: speak about practicing meditation, prayer, and there will come a point when God is always on your mind. Like, you know, sometimes we say that favorite song is always playing in my mind. Just like that, Bhagawan has to always be on your mind, just like that favorite song. So like Chitraji said, you don't need a special place to chant remember God, it has to always be just come to your mind, like even if you are washing dishes, walking the dog, you have to feel that connection even in those times, that is what it is all about, that is what karma yoga is all about. Then you will reach a state where there is no boundary between regular stuff and holy stuff. You know, when we are beginning, the question always comes. You know, like what is considered holy and what is considered not holy. Or we think that only if we you know, take an incense stick and show it in front of God, that is when bhakti happens. Or that is when. But they are all beginning steps. Eventually there should come a time when there is no distinction. There is nothing which is not holy because no matter what you do, even if you are cleaning the bathroom, if you still have God on your mind, that is also holy. That is also an act of puja only. So, Naraji wants us to reach that stage. So, in the Bhagavad Gita, when you reach that stage, it will mean that you are practicing this sloka from Bhagavad Gita, where Krishna says that if you see God in everything you do, then you will find God everywhere. So, nice, right? You can read this sloka yourself. It uh, It says, Yo, maam, pasyati, sarvatra, cha, mayi, Tasya cha Those who see me everywhere and see all things in me, I do not become lost to them, nor do they become lost to me. So profound. Krishna so many times has given us assurance. We are only looking at the assurance, but we forget what Krishna says is the precondition. No. There are people who delusionally will go, no, Krishna will take care of me. Krishna will, as if Krishna is their personal bodyguard and Krishna is their secretary, you know, but that is a very elevated stage to be in. I mean, if you have reached the stage, then yes, you are a saint and definitely Krishna is happy to become your personal bodyguard and your personal cer- secretary. Krishna is happy to do that. But then Krishna says, but can you please reach the stage because I'm waiting i want to be that for you and i'm waiting here because i have to be impartial i cannot be partial to somebody so because i have to be impartial where i am
0: that that stage that level is constant you just
1: have to reach that level and it is yours that is what krishna is saying so krishna says if you reach that level if you reach that stage then I will never be lost to you. In other words, you will never feel like I'm not there and you will never be lost to me. I will never, or I will never make you feel that I'm not there. It's a beautiful relationship. And that is what we have to work towards. Everybody knows that, you know, marriage is very sacred and to stay married, ask anybody who is married for a long time, and whenever people tell them congratulations it is so nice you have been married for so many years they will immediately say yeah yeah but then we worked hard for that you know there is so much efforts that goes into staying married you know so we know we know that uh, worthy relationships need efforts lot of efforts so what makes us think that our relationship with god doesn't need efforts in other words you somehow think that <laughs> i don't want to put words in your mouth but that is, you understood what I'm trying to say. It it That is the best relationship we could ever have. And that is an eternal marriage we can have. So shouldn't we be putting a lot more efforts there? That is the message of all the saints. Everything we do, it will feel like we are doing for God. Isn't that a,
0: you know, that is how you stop
1: worrying because you know that whatever you are doing, you are doing for God with God consciousness and you know you are in good hands. You know. Now let us take this idea a step further. The Bible tells us to give all our worries to God. So there is a verse in Bible. For some reason I remember this verse because I one of my challenges in life has been I have also been a victim of anxiety. Many times I will have anxiety. I used to have, now it is uh, improved a lot, but so during my childhood, I used to have this anxiety for for me, everything, <laughs> everything had to be right anyways. So this verse caught my attention when I was very young and it stuck to me. So that verse says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. And the same thing Krishna has also said in the Bhagavad Gita in this state of mind. You are just telling God that because I am following your instructions sincerely, now I am leaving everything to you. That because is very important. The mistake a lot of people do is they say, God, everything is in your hands. You do it. You take care of it. I leave. But that's okay. We are very good at the living part, but we didn't pay attention to the first part. The first part is, are we constantly in God consciousness? Are we, are we practicing all the lessons? Are we having humility, purity? Are we prioritizing God? Are we practicing those virtues? Because that is what makes us eligible. You know? See, assume, assume that a lot of, lot of people in this class, they are all parents. And some of us have multiple kids. Let us say for one child, we say you have to study well, you have to score at least first class. And if you do that, you know, you can get a cycle by cycle. I'm just giving a random example. The second child, no studies, nothing, all the time, musty, fails, and you give that child also a cycle. Now, will the first child really go and study? The first child is going to say, What is the point? You know, you are asking me to study, but that other kid did nothing, and you still gave a cycle. So, why should you see the problem, right? So as a parent, we know the importance of being unbiased and impartial. We know that that is what makes us good parents, especially if you have multiple kids. The only way to be a effective, good parent is you have to prove that you are impartial. You have to prove that whatever you are saying is value-based. It is not biased. Only then both your kids will listen. That is the same concept for God. In God's eyes, we are all children. So it is not possible that no, no, I am Chitra, I am special. No, I am Simran, so God has to make an exception. You know, or I am Krishna Dasa, so it's okay if I don't, it doesn't work like that. So God is always going to be impartial. So we have to understand what we have to do to receive the grace and that is what all these lessons have been so far. So this spiritual state where there is no distinction between what is We just saw, right, a few minutes ago.
0: What did we see? We say there is no difference between
1: what is holy and what is not holy. In other words, whatever we do, it is aligned with our love for God. When we are in that stage, it is like having a ship or having a boat which has its sail correctly adjusted. What happens when the sail is correctly adjusted? You have to do nothing. The wind will carry you. That is the concept of a sail, just like that, if you follow these teachings, you are aligning your sail with the flow of wind, and then your life is taken care of. Just like the wind takes care of propelling the boat or the ship, just like that, the universe takes care of your life. That is the whole idea. But the prerequisite is, are you aligning your sail? You cannot ruin your sail and then complain that why is my boat not moving? Why am I having to struggle so much to move my boat? Whereas that guy's boat is going so smoothly. We are looking only at the boat. We are not looking at the sail. The magic is not in the boat. The magic is in the sail. You just have to set it correctly. That is all the teachings are. This is what Taoism also says. There is a movement called Taoism and there is a term there called Wu Wei, which means effortless action. It is like going, that is what is known as going with the flow of life. So you are aligned. When you are aligned, everything seems easy. Then you are not fighting.
0: That is the whole concept. That is the kind of life you will have once you align with these teachings of Naraji and Shri Krishna truly aligned and then it is guaranteed. See, everything is a law, right?
1: The universe runs on laws. If your sail is aligned to the direction of the wind, it has to propel your boat. It is not going to say, I don't like Sulata's sail, so I'm not going to do it. I will only do it if Simran has. It doesn't work like that. So you should be assured that if you follow these teachings and if you do it the right way, you will have that magical life where everything will suddenly start feeling like everything is just happening in your favor. The truth is things are not happening in your favor. You are aligning with favorable things. But net-net the result is the same. So in short, what we are talking about is find God in every day. Find God every day and find God in everything, in all activities. And live your life for god realization for the love of god
0: and then trust god's plan do all this set your sail and then trust that the
1: wind will carry you the wind has to carry you if you find yourself struggling it's a very honest statement from me it's not judgmental it's honest it applies to me because i it's not like i don't struggle i do struggle But I know that every time I honestly introspected, I have been able to find some instance where I am not aligned. And I can guarantee you that if you are just aligned, life becomes easier. If you find yourself struggling in life, be honest and acknowledge that it is mostly because you are not aligned. There is something missing. That is how it should be. Don't look at God and don't question God. Why are you not helping me? Because God, in God's eyes, we are all children. We are all equal. If God is not helping, that means God's help is there. We are not aligning with it. You know, there is a story in, uh, in our Puranas. It says, there was this Brahmin, very pious Brahmin, but he was so poor. He was suffering from poverty all his life. And then there are two Devatas who are chatting and one devta tells the other Devata, why, why this guy is nobody is helping this guy. Like, why don't you help him? And the senior devata, you know, one is a junior devata, one is a senior devata. And the senior devata says, that guy is not aligned. That is why he's suffering. You know, the junior one is not willing to acknowledge. He says, no, no, that's an excuse. You just don't want to help him. So the senior devata smiles and says, okay, I'll show you. I'll demonstrate it to you. So this poor Brahmin is always walking to a particular temple in the morning. He always uses the same path. So both the devtas go there and the senior devta knows when the Brahmin is about to come that way. So he takes out his diamond necklace and puts it on his way, you know, but guess what? Before reaching the necklace, the Brahmin has this quirk. He has this thought. He says, I want to know how good I am at walking without seeing.
0: Let me try closing my eyes and walking.
1: So he closes his eyes and walks right past that diamond necklace and goes to the Then the senior one looks at the junior and says, Did you understand? The tatparya is even if somebody helps you, you will not be able to
0: benefit from that help if you are not aligned. You know,
1: like say somebody comes and tells you, You, you dream of being a pilot. Let us say it's your dream. I I used to dream of being a pilot when I was a child. So that example came to mind. Let us say you dream of becoming a pilot tomorrow. Somebody suddenly comes and says, okay, I give you a job as a pilot. Do you think it's going to work? Do you think you can just sit and fly the plane now? You are not aligned. You didn't do any practice. You have not learned how to fly. You have not spent time learning how to fly nothing. Now somebody just comes and gives you the job as a pilot. It's going to be a disaster for you. It's going to be a disaster for the passengers, for the plane. There is nothing good going to come out of it. So that is the moral of the story is we need to be aligned. When we are aligned, we will realize that the help is always there. Okay, let's go to the last sloka for today. Sloka 80. Sarkirthya manaha
0: Sarkirthya manaha shigrameva virbhavati Virbhavati. Anubhavayati
1: Anu- Cha Bhaktana. Cha
0: Bhaktana. Cha Bhaktana.
1: The translation is He, when invoked through sincere prayers, quickly indeed manifests and makes the devotees perceive His presence. Another assurance. Naraji says that one of the things Naraji is saying is Kirtan is a very effective way to please the Lord, singing His glories. And through listening and singing Bhagavan's glories, we can quickly cleanse ourselves and become eligible to get his darshan. So because Naraji just said you have to align and you have to purify and all of that, Naraji is now giving a quick tip. He says, try and engage a lot in Kirtan because Kirtan like Harinam and Harinam Kirtan, they are all like purifying. So there is also a verse in the Srimad Bhagavatam Yata Yata Atma Parimrija sau Mat Punya Gata Saravana, Bina. So I will share the whole shloka with you. It basically says, listen to this. It's very, very beautiful. This explanation, the translation, it says, just as a vision impaired eye recovers its ability to see when it treated with medicinal ointment, this much we understand. The eye is impaired, it cannot see. So you treat it with medicinal ointment, then it begins to see. This must be understand just like that when a conscious living entity cleanses itself of material contamination,
0: it becomes able to see God in the spiritual
1: form, you know, like material objects are in front of you, but you cannot see because your eyes are having a problem. So you put medicine. You clear that eye. As soon as that is cleared, you can see what was already there, just like that. God's spiritual form is already there, but our consciousness is contaminated, material contamination. We have this chakshuram militamena tasmai shri guruena. That is the whole meaning of the shloka. The guru mantra we say, chakshuram So chakshur, that eye. So that is the same thing. It says that the guru helped clear that from my eyes and then I was able to see, that is the importance of the Guru, so here that is what this loka says and how do you cleanse this consciousness of material contamination by listening to and reciting the leelas and glories of Lord, that is one of the easy and effective ways to cleanse our material consciousness. So these lokas are, see, beautifully highlighting the profound effect of bhakti. But during this journey, this continuous contemplation on divine is very, very crucial. So we are nearing the end of the bhakti sutra. So I'm going to repeat a few things. Consistency is key.
0: Prioritization is key. Purification is key and continuous yes, yes, yes. contemplation on divine. Is
1: the key. Ananyas Chintan. Just chintan is not enough. Ananyas Chintan. And Yuktanam. So that constancy and consistency is important. And as you can understand, the self or the Atman is always within us. But it is concealed from our direct perception because of our. Limited understanding and limitation of our sense, we, we discussed this earlier, the same famous example of people who have never seen the sunlight. They can't perceive, you can't explain our senses cannot, they are not capable enough of explaining sunlight to somebody who has not seen just like that. How can you explain atma? You can't, and you have to perceive and how can you perceive until you have so many contamination you cannot even see material objects if your eyes are contaminated. How can you see the subtlest of subtle as long as your consciousness is contaminated? Very logical. So Lord Krishna has said in the fourth chapter, I think Sulataji will remember this because we discussed this as something. I think Sulataji practices this for uh, while having her food. Thank, thank you, prayer. You remember that sloka? It is The other one, Brahmarpanam.
0: It is the one, no?
1: Correct. Brahma Karma Samadhina. So, so that is sloka 4.24 And it says yeah. that those who are completely absorbed in God consciousness, the offering is Brahman. The tool that you use to offer is also Brahman. The act of offering is also Brahman. The sacrificial fire is also Brahman. What are they trying to say? They are trying to say that you have gotten into that realization. That is the definition of self-realization. Once you get into that realization, not theorization. As long as you are in theorization mode, everything is different. Yeah, the fire is different, the offering person is different, the spoon is different. Of course, everything looks different because we have not yet realized. Once you realize, then there is no distinction. Everything will merge into each other. You will will see oneness in everything. That is the state of absolute union. And that is what Sri Krishna has called out in 4.24. Of course, we also take a different meaning of the shloka to say that everything All whatever we do, it all goes to God because, anyways, everything is same. Everything is God. That is the way we look at that sloka also. But in the context of Bhakti Sutra, we have to realize that at that point, which point? At the point when you are able to realize this kind of oneness, there is the the responsibility of experiencing God no longer belongs to you. Once you reach that stage of consciousness. God says, I will take care of the rest. Then it is my responsibility to make you perceive me. That is God's promise. God says, you come till here.
0: The universe is infinite. No, it's it's bizarre. Do you know that uh, there are parts of the universe which can never be seen? Technically, even scientifically. Because as we all know, the universe is expanding.
1: And there are some parts of the universe we have not seen yet. And there is no chance of us ever seeing it because it is it is expanding and it is already further than what it was. And even where it was, we couldn't see it. So what we are trying to say
0: is that is the
1: magnificence, that is the scale we are talking about. The vastness How large it is, how infinite it is, how incomprehensible it is. But then God says, All you have to do is travel this minute amount and then I will take care of the rest. What kind of a profound and loving God is that? God says, I will travel through infinity if required. I am asking you to just travel inside your own self. All God is saying is,
0: You just travel that five inch within you and realize that Atma within you and that is all.
1: I will take care of everything else. So it's a very, very profound thing. And at that point, there is is no intellect, there is no mind, there is nothing. There is just pure consciousness. That is what we should all aim for.
0: So whoever is truly committed to Bhakti,
1: Whoever is willing to surrender, whoever is willing to overcome the struggle, not get demotivated by the struggle, they will all eventually reach this experience. They will definitely reach this experience. All we have to do is withdraw from these finite material experiences and focus on the love and contemplation of Bhagavan in your heart. And keep reminding yourself that is your ultimate goal that is the only goal that matters and success will come it has to come Hare krishna with that we can conclude today's session thank you again once more truly grateful for your support association and patience thank you for putting up with all my comments and listening to me i'll stop the recording and open up the floor for questions Hare Krishna.